This is an ABC podcast. This episode is about miscarriage and stillbirth. If you want to talk to someone or need some more resources, you can contact Bears of Hope at bearsofhope.org.au or sands at sands.org.au. For some reason, I can't even remember why, but the miscarriage came up. And my son was sitting right beside me and he said, oh, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, well, sometimes when people are pregnant, the baby doesn't survive and that's called a miscarriage. After you, there was another pregnancy and that baby didn't survive. And he just kind of, you know, took that in and moved on. But then that night when he went to bed, he started to cry. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I just feel really sad about the baby. Hello, I'm Maggie Dent. Did you know that up to one in four pregnancies in Australia ends in miscarriage? That means that more than 100,000 families are affected each year, and many of these families already have children. It's weird then, isn't it, that miscarriage remains a taboo topic, and it's one that's often not talked about with our kids because, well, it's hard to know what to say, isn't it? So how can we do it in a way that's open and honest but doesn't instill fear in them? When someone has a miscarriage and they've already got kids, chances are little ones know that something's not okay with their parents. Which means, as parents, we need to explain to our kids what's happened. That's easier said than done, because how do you bring it up? How do you explain it? And when? Kim Lester is a podcast creator and a producer on Parental As Anything, and it's something she's had to talk to her young son about. I didn't tell him at the time. He didn't even know that I was pregnant, so there was no reason to tell him. I do have a memory of crying one day and he just sort of looked at me and said, Mum, why do you have tears? Several years later, he was eight or nine, and my cousin and I were just having a chat one day and for some reason, I can't even remember why, but the miscarriage came up. She said something about it and my son was sitting right beside me and he said, oh, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, well, sometimes when people are pregnant, the baby doesn't survive and that's called a miscarriage. After you, there was another pregnancy and that baby didn't survive. And he just kind of, you know, took that in and moved on. But then that night when he went to bed, he started to cry. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I just feel really sad about the baby. And it really threw me. I was not expecting that reaction for some reason. But it was kind of an opportunity because We have a family member who is very, very sick with cancer at the moment. And so I think for the last year or two, I have had in my mind, how am I going to talk to my children about grief and dying? And this was actually kind of a chance to have that conversation. So I said, I felt really sad about it as well. And it is a really sad thing. And it's absolutely okay to feel sad. We have that book, Uh, the amazing true story of how babies are made. And there's a page in it that 
uh, lays out the different stages of pregnancy in the context of fruit. So X number of weeks, it's the size of an apple, you know, whatever. And so I opened up that page and I sort of helped him to understand that when this baby died, it was smaller than the size of a grape and it was probably never going to grow to be a full baby. And so, you know, I tried to help him understand that it was just a teeny tiny little seed when that happened. And if it hadn't have happened, we wouldn't have olive his little sister. And so that was the context that we talked about it in. But I also made sure he knew it was absolutely okay to feel sad about that. But the thing that was the most amazing thing to come out of that experience was because I didn't keep it a secret, so many of my friends, when I said I've been away because I had a miscarriage, they said that happened to me too. And then they told me their story about miscarriage. I was definitely surrounded by friends and support and people who weren't afraid to let me talk about it. Kim Lester talking about her miscarriage experience. Bears of Hope is an Australian organisation that provides support and counselling to families who have experienced the loss of a baby during pregnancy, birth or infancy. It's managed by a dedicated team of bereaved parents and one of those parents is CEO and co-founder, Amanda Bowles. Amanda, many women choose to delay announcing their pregnancy at least until the end of that first trimester. Remaining silent means women and couples may be left to grieve privately. What impact does the so-called 12-week rule have on parents and their kids if a pregnancy does end? Well, it's such an interesting conversation because unfortunately, even at 12 weeks, there are families that will continue on a pregnancy and still lose their baby. So I'm not sure where this magical number and safe Mm. number of pregnancy came along. I guess there's a varying impact. For some people, it does provide privacy should, you know, if they're a more private person and don't like to share their experiences with too many people, then it does protect their privacy in some ways. But for others, what it does is make it really hard for them to have a conversation if they need some support, should they experience a miscarriage. And the family then are left to grieve and silently experience yes. that grief and work through all of that. It's an outdated rule. Honestly, in my grandparents' era, there was a notion that you did not discuss private matters outside your home. And in yep. something like this, women were useful for being housewives and mothers. And so imagine experiencing a miscarriage, the shame that that was brought on to you because you weren't successful as a woman. Thankfully today, women are successful in so many ways and shame is not something that should be ever affiliated with miscarriage or pregnancy loss. So bears of hope. It's been around for 15 years now. Well done, you. So what changes have you seen in the conversation about miscarriage and stillbirth over that 15 years? There's been incredible changes. I mean, literally when we started, things like Facebook weren't things that were used to connect people. <laughs> no. It's it's hard to imagine a world without social media platforms and groups. And although it existed, it just wasn't something that was well utilised at that point. So I think social media has had great impact on the ability for people to share and get that information out and has been really encouraging to see 
people willing to have the discussion because it's a really sad conversation and it's changed a lot over the years. I never would have imagined 15 years ago that we'd be having these sorts of conversations, that I'd be here having this discussion with you today and I'm so grateful for all of that. There's still a long way to go but it has changed. There is a lot of conversation occurring but still not enough. There's a wider conversation that needs to be had amongst the community. I have actually um, experienced a miscarriage around eight or nine weeks and it wasn't my first and I know, you know, among my girlfriends and my sister, the first is even kind of like, oh no, I've done something wrong kind of thing because it's a new experience. It doesn't matter, does it, that if you may have more than one miscarriage over your lifetime, every single one of them really impacts us. It's not as though you get better at it, is it? No, absolutely not. And in fact, it possibly can cause a greater, deeper grief if you're having multiple ones. And one of the challenges I found in my counselling was the struggle with some mums with the why, because there's not always a why, is there, Amanda? There isn't. And, you know, sometimes there's just literally no reason. And one thing that I regularly remind people of is the words at least don't belong anywhere when you are discussing something with someone that needs support. At least belongs in the bin. You know, I mean, if my husband died, would somebody tell me at least you're young and you can get married again? Of course not. You can have another one. Yeah, you can get another one. It's fine. The words at least have no place. (laughs) Yeah. So just last year, Megan, Duchess of Sussex, revealed she'd had a miscarriage. When celebrities are willing to speak about their experiences, does this open the conversation between parents and children and the rest of us? It absolutely opens the conversation. First of all, it provides validation for the family that might not be receiving the support that they need. It's validation and an acknowledgement that, oh, it is okay that I feel this way. I'm not strange for feeling this deep sadness to my loss. And even if it has some polarising responses through those social media responses from other people, it's having the conversation and we don't change other people's opinions without having that conversation that is sometimes difficult. Now, you yourself have had two miscarriages. The first was when your son was two years old and the second when he was three. Can you tell me what you did tell him and how did you say it? Uh, I'm not even sure I can remember exactly. So, Our first miscarriage was quite early on and he did know that we were having a baby. And I think that I honestly fell under the, this sort of thing happens, it's common, you'll be okay. So I really tried to, you know, just put on that brave face and we just sort of said to him, oh, we thought there was a baby, but there isn't one and kind of left it really simply. The second time round was actually a stillbirth. Um, Jesse was born at 21 weeks. We laboured and delivered mm. him. So that was a very different conversation. It's a conversation that continued over a number of years. A really good friend of mine had a miscarriage around 15 weeks and her two, one was four and one was six or seven, they really struggled with the loss for many weeks and we had many conversations around why that's actually really normal and healthy Mm. and just being able to hold those precious boys and reassure them that sometimes life just can be really tough even though they endlessly kept saying, why, 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 mm-hmm. mummy, mm-hmm. that that's okay. And it, you're, like you said, it's a conversation that can continue 
months, even years later, why do you think, Mummy? And that's absolutely okay, isn't it, Amanda? Absolutely. I mean, this is, for many, their first experience in understanding mortality, um, their own, the people they love, those important to them, their pets. And so it's not a simple conversation. There's a big lot of information for them to try and digest and process and find, you know, place in in their world for. So it is always going to be an ongoing conversation as they're in a new place to understand more information. Now, Fathers are impacted deeply as well when there's a miscarriage. And many have told me one of the challenges is they feel really powerless to know how to help their partner in that time. What suggestions do you have for grieving dads who want to really support the mama who's really sad like they are? Well, the first thing I'd say is your job is not only to support your partner you're also allowed to grieve. So it's actually first primary response is how do you feel? Are you okay? What support can help you? Obviously, the men, they want to protect them and they know that physically their partner is the one that's experiencing this loss. But this is an emotional loss for both of them. They both will be experiencing it. Yes, perhaps differently. And that's because we will all experience grief and loss in varied ways. But ultimately, the first thing I would say to the the men is, actually, you also lost a baby and it's okay to seek support and it's okay to be sad. And in my experience, um, that sometimes dads do process it quite inwardly and silently. That doesn't necessarily mean it's unhealthy. But I do think one of the gifts now is that dads are finding other dads who've had that experience and are talking about those lived experiences. So we're really moving in a way that we're understanding that it's okay for guys to really feel vulnerable around any major loss experience. Yeah, absolutely. So some people have had miscarriages in the past and they've never told their kids. So do they need to share this information? It can depend on the age of the child. You know, if if it's an older child and it's not something, you know, they're going into a, a new relationship, perhaps planning their own family, and it might be appropriate to start having that conversation. It's really going to be a personal choice and it's about sharing it so that they know that you're there should they need your support at that same time. But it's really a difficult conversation no matter when you're going to have it. And it's not something that needs to be shared if you don't feel that that's going to be helpful for your family member. But if it's going to be helpful for either one of you, then it's probably a good thing to discuss. I think that's a really golden moment if it's going to be good for both of you. Now, Amanda, we've talked around how the change is actually starting to happen, but how do we get rid of that stigma around it? How can we make it easier? Gosh, I wish I had a magic answer for that because I'd have implemented it a heck of a long time ago. (laughs) Um, And whilst I'm going to acknowledge that, you know, we've done a lot of work to make these changes, a lot of other people have as well. I think that ultimately as humans, too often we will listen to someone with an intent to respond, but our role is actually just to listen. If we have a helpful response that can validate or support or reduce the heavy load that somebody is carrying with their grief, then we can absolutely respond. But our role is to just listen and to be there, not just to respond. We can't make it better. And so 
if we stop trying to fix things for people, tell them it's okay, and actually allow them to sit and experience their grief, all of us will probably be able to work through it a lot better. And I think that's one of the frustrating things I've found over my years working with families um, following a death of a loved one is the good intentions of people to try and cheer you up. (laughs) There are some days we're meant to be sad and it's okay. Could you be comfortable with my sadness Mm -hmm. or my silence? Mm -hmm. Just make me a cup of tea or a coffee and, you know, pass the biscuits. Yeah. You know, that's, that's about where I'm at today and that's okay. If there's a mum out there listening today who has experienced a recent miscarriage, what are your top suggestions to her? It's okay to be sad. It's okay to seek support. It's okay to want to represent this baby and dreams that you had for your family in your home. It's okay to talk about him or her. There is a connection and a unique bond that was held and that isn't broken simply because the baby's no longer here. So reach out to your friends and support network if you have really great people in your corner. And if you need a little bit more than that, reach out to organisations like Bears of Hope, SANS. There's a lot of different organisations that can just reassure you, validate and It can be really helpful when you are experiencing grief to know that it's quite normal to feel sad or angry and it can actually make it easier to sort of process some of that. What would be your top suggestion to a best friend, a sister, a mum who has a special one who has had a miscarriage or a stillbirth? How can they best be the support that they need during this awful time? It's really important to... Connect consistently with your friend. So if you're wanting to support a friend that's going through a loss, keep reaching out to them. If they don't respond, that's not about you. It's about them and where they're at. But that doesn't mean that you stop reaching out. Keep connecting with them. Keep letting them know that you care, that you understand that they must be really grieving and sad, that you're sorry for their loss. Those words can be incredible. If you don't know what to say to someone, don't try and say something to make it better. It's actually okay to say to someone, I am so sorry for your loss and I really don't know what to say but I'm happy to be guided by you or offer suggestions of ways I might be able to ease your load, come and do your washing, get some groceries for you. Bring you a coffee. Yeah, and just sit with you. (laughs) How can we get into our workplaces and let them know that this isn't something you can just flick off when you go to work because any death impacts our capacity to stay focused, to have energy. You know, how can we get an awareness into there that gives us credit if we do have a miscarriage or a stillbirth, that it takes time for us to regroup back to who we were. How can we do that? To be honest, I'm not even sure it's possible. I'm certainly not the same person I was prior to my loss. So in many ways, I'm a much greater Amanda than I was prior, but I lost some other parts of me and particularly early on that made me an incredibly valuable employee or dedicated employee Mm. um, and that ability to focus. I think really 
If businesses can be focusing on their people, the people that get them the results rather than the results, this is actually really easy to do. So stop focusing on your results. Focus on the people that are going to get you the results. And if you actually genuinely care and focus on your people, this is really easily done because that open communication already exists. It makes it really easy for the person to call and say, I actually can't come in this is what's happening and I'm not sure when I'm going to be okay. Please just give me a couple of days space and I'll be in touch to see what we can do next. Amanda, thank you for the fabulous work you're doing and thanks for having our chat. Thank you. Now, if there's a miscarriage in your family, it might be your child's first experience of mortality. So please hold them, love them and acknowledge any grief that they may feel. The conversation you have together is one that will be ongoing as their understanding gradually evolves. The emotional loss of miscarriage and stillbirth is very real for both partners. Please look out for each other through this difficult time. Whether or not we share the news of a miscarriage is obviously a personal choice, but if it's going to help either yourself or the person you're talking to, it really could be worthwhile having that conversation. If someone wants to talk to you about their miscarriage, our role is not just to respond, it's to be there for them during this difficult time, to really listen, to really lean in and to hold a space and to make endless cuppers. We need to know it's okay to be sad and to seek support, whether it's Bears of Hope or Sands, they are both here to help you. You can find the websites for both organisations in the show notes. If you're looking for more discussion around miscarriage, listen to the 12-week rule on ladies, we need to talk. The first trimester of a pregnancy can often be the hardest. So why do so many women feel the need to stay quiet? And should we be talking about pregnancy earlier? The worst part was ringing my mum and telling her because I hadn't told her that I was pregnant at all. So ringing her and saying to her, you, you were going to be a grandma, but now you're not. And hearing her cry, that was, re- that was the hardest part of all, I think, was hearing my mum cry. Not because she was hurting, but because she was hurting for me. That was hard. And it doesn't matter how early or late you lose a baby, you lose part of yourself. Like, literally, you lose part of yourself. And you lose such a big part of your heart. You'll find ladies... We need to talk on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Next time on Parental as Anything, what is autism and what does it mean to be neurodivergent? The problem with the way we talk about the autism spectrum is that we tend to talk about it in a way that makes us think it is linear. It's just not true. We have millions of different parts of personality and and characteristic that come together to make up every single person. And if we tried to put, for example, a neurotypical person or a non-autistic person on a spectrum and say, oh, you lay somewhere here on this line in terms of who you are and how you can contribute to the world, there would be outrage. Autistic kids are often excluded or misjudged or completely misunderstood in our world. We're going to find out how parents can advocate for their child, both within the classroom and the community. That's next time on Parental As Anything with me, Maggie Dent.